church one more time. Can you make some noise for Jesus this morning? So I know the Masters was last week and we've gotten that out the way. Can you for real make some noise for Jesus this morning? Come on, don't pretend he ain't the King of Kings. Don't pretend that he's not the Lord of Lords. That's what we're here for. Uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, in fact, one of our values, uh, we say that Jesus is our message. Uh, so we're never trying to point to ourselves or anything else. We're always trying to point uh, to Jesus. And the goal here at the Becoming Church is that every single Sunday uh, that we make a big deal about Jesus. And uh, I'm excited uh, that we've been doing that this morning and excited to do that here in the next few moments. But listen, if you're new here, please, uh, we're going to have a welcome area uh, set up for you when you leave here today. So please don't leave without stopping by it. Uh, we have something we want to place in your hands just as a simple way of saying thank you uh, for being with us. And um, we're not going to spam you or nothing like that. Uh, so I know on a connection card or if you text TBC New here, you might have saw a place for your email. We're not going to show up at your house or spam you, send you any coupons or nothing like that. Uh, we don't want to spam you. We just simply want to serve you. And I uh, say thank you uh, for being with us here today. And one more thing um, that... I forgot to mention in the first service, but I need to mention it now. Uh, we believe in community here at the Becoming Church. And one of the ways that community is expressed uh, is in what we call belong groups, which are our small groups here at the church. And our summer season is actually getting ready to kick off uh, June 4th. And so if you have never led a belong group, uh, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, you say, well, I don't know how to. Well, guess what? We're hosting training. And uh, that's going to pop up on the screen because I was about to mess the dates up. It's happening April 30th uh, and May 7th, uh, 15 minutes following the 1030 uh, service. And so if you've never led a belong group and you're like, yo, I want to lead one over uh, the summer during this summer season, then I want to encourage you to attend the training. And even if you're not sure, just attend the training anyway. And uh, if you uh, have led one in the past and you need a refresher, uh, that's for you uh, as well. And so child care will be available. So don't worry about what about my little ones. We'll have snacks and all that good stuff. Uh, for I was talking about for them. You were thinking for you. But no, we're going to have it for you uh, as well. But I want to encourage you uh, to do that. Well, today, family, we're kicking off a new collection called The Way. And here at the Becoming Church, we speak in what we call uh, collections. Basically, we take a thought or maybe a question we kind of just kind of, you know, peel the layers back, if you will, for a number of weeks, uh, typically about four or five weeks. And so uh, today uh, we're kicking off one called uh, The Way. And, and the whole premise around it is really for us to answer this question, what does it mean to follow uh, Jesus? What does it mean to follow the way of Jesus? Maybe you've heard that term. Maybe you've asked that question or pondered that. And you've wondered, I don't, you say, I don't know. Well, uh, we're going to discover, hopefully by the end of this collection, we're going to discover exactly what that means. And uh, to help us lead off, in this, to lead us off in this conversation, uh, I've got two places I want to come from today. And that's Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. And then John chapter 14, verse 6. And so you can, if you're old school, you can uh, flip with me there. Or if you're new school, you can scroll with me there. Or if you like my kids, you don't want to go to school, uh, you can just watch here on the screen. In fact, <laughs> before we read it, will y'all stand with me for the reading of God's word? You know, all across the world, when they say someone important walks in a the room, they stand up. And I think, man, the word of God definitely meets that standard, exceeds it, actually. So um, it's Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. It says this, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, talking about Jesus, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going down, going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Now John 14, 6. This is our theme verse for the next number of weeks. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for these moments. Thank you for this time and space that we share together. God, thank you for your word. 
God, thank you for your word that spoke the world into existence. God, that lets us know that your word has transformative power. And I pray over these next few moments, Lord, that we will begin that process of being transformed by your word. God, we thank you for who you are, what you're doing. Thank you for your presence in this space. We need you. Make us aware that you're here. Lord, I pray that you open up our eyes. Allow us to see what it is you're showing us. And God, open up our ears so that we can hear what your word is speaking to us. And so, Lord, as your servants, this is what we say. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, come on. Everybody said. Amen, amen. You may be seated. You can actually follow along today. If you haven't downloaded the TBC app, you can do so uh, at the Google Play Store or the App Store. Just go search the Becoming Church, and you can download it. Then once you download it, down at the bottom bar there, you can uh, click Connect. And then right at the top, you will see uh, the notes for today and every Sunday. But listen, family. Being a parent, it's, it's much like uh, being a life coach. That you spend a lot of time uh, teaching, training, and inspiring. Because it doesn't take long to be around kids and discover that they don't always listen. Or maybe I should say it this way. They never listen. If yours do, ours don't. So that's my context. (laughs) So a lot of the time, we find ourselves, you know, trying to teach them, trying to to train them, trying to show them the way. And it's often represented in a way like this where we're like, hey, in this house, in this family, we don't behave this way. In this family, we don't speak that way. In this family, we treat each other this way. In this family, we speak to each other this way. We're trying to show them the way that it looks to belong to the Hamilton family. So if you bear the name Hamilton, then this is what people should see when you're at school, when you're at play, when you, wherever you are. People should see, oh, that, that's a Hamilton boy. That's a Hamilton girl. And, and I know the Hamilton kids weren't a part of that because I know they know the way to behave with that, with that last name. Although I will say our kids are great when they're not at home. And I'll just leave it at that. But could the same be true? Could it be said for what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Could the same thing be said for what it means to be a Christian? That as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, that there is a certain way that we, we look. I'm not talking about better than, but like different from. Are you tracking with me? Should people be able to see that? I don't necessarily know what it is, but there, seemed that there's, there seems like there's something different about their life. There's something different on their life. Now, in theory, we like to say yes, but maybe it goes back to that question. Well, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Is, it, is being a follower of Jesus, is it simply uh, church attendance? Is it simply because we give? Is it simply because we serve? Is it simply because, you know, on Sunday morning we throw in a little Fred Hammond or something? Like, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And so for the next four weeks uh, in this collection called The Way, our goal is to answer that question, is to discover what does it mean to be a way, to follow the way of Jesus. And I'll tell you, I'll be a little bit more pastoral today. So if there are any moments where we say, ouch, just know it's love, okay? Y'all like, I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't at just Easter. Yes, it was, okay? But if we say yes, we got to know how to, listen, it's going to be good. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make some observations uh, from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. 
And then remember John 14, 6, it's our theme verse uh, for the next number of weeks where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the first observation, if you're taking notes, if you have the TBC app, is this, follow me, follow me. You know, when Jesus says that he is the way, he isn't saying that he simply teaches the way. He isn't saying that he points to the way. He isn't saying that I, I know the way. When Jesus says, I am the way, he is saying, literally, I am the way. In fact, early believers of Jesus were not called Christians, but they were actually called followers of the way. You know, that term Christian, I believe it only appears three times in the New Testament. But you actually see saint or you actually see disciple uh, several times uh, throughout the New Testament. But they were called followers of the way. Look at Acts 24, verse 14, and what it says. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul speaking. It says, however, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way. And that word way is translated to mean a traveled way, a road, a course of conduct, a manner of thinking, feeling, and deciding. So when Jesus says, that no one comes to the Father except through me, he is saying that there's no other traveled way. There's no other road. There's no other perspective. There's no other manner of thinking, feeling, or deciding that I am the way and no one comes to the Father except through me. That there is no other access point. That I am the access point. I am the way. So you know what that means, family? It means our good works won't do it. It means our religious ceremonies won't do it. It means all of the practices and the things that we have created that that mean that we follow Jesus, those things won't do it. How much you give, how much you serve, how much you attend, how often you pray, the way you keep up with your Bible reading plan. None of those things will do it. Jesus says, I am the way. Now, it's not saying that those things are bad. It's just saying those things outside of the context of Jesus being the way won't do it. Because oftentimes we could think it's what we do that deserves us to get to the Father. But it's not about what we do, but it's about us submitting our life to Jesus and recognizing that he is the way. Are you tracking with me this morning? But here, with all that said, here's what I've learned. That many believers... We don't have an issue with Jesus being the truth, but we do have an issue when it comes to Jesus being the way. That it's okay that he is the truth. It's okay that he is the life, but but when you start to mention that he is the way, now I have an issue. So Christians don't mind that Jesus is the truth, but we have an issue with him being the way. That we want to do this our way. That we want this to be the way that we want it to be. But unfortunately, or fortunately, it doesn't work like that. Because, first of all, we don't get to the truth and to the life without first discovering that Jesus is the way. Because John 14, 6 does not say that he is the truth, the life, and the way. It says that I am the way, the truth, in the life. So we can't discover the truth that Jesus is, the life uh, that's in Jesus, until we first recognize that he is the way. But listen, even with the words of Jesus, even with it being clear as day, many of us live this way. Well, Jesus can be the truth as long as I have my way. That Jesus, he can be the truth all day, but I need to have my way. So there's the way of Jesus, and then there's the way of insert your name. But right there, what do we have? We have some tension. We have to make a decision. What are we going to do? So let's hang in that tension for a little bit. And look at Mark 1, 17, where Jesus says, follow me. Because here's the tension, right? There's the way of Jesus, and there's our way. But then Jesus says, follow me, Mark 1, 17. And when he says that, I want to explain this and break this down a little bit. When Jesus says, follow me, he's essentially saying, come be my disciple. And a better word for disciple would be apprentice. 
an apprentice is someone who wants to uh, develop their craft, get better uh, at their craft. So, for instance, uh, if you're an electrician or a plumber, um, you, you want to become a master electrician, then you follow a master electrician. You apprentice under a master electrician. Why? Because, well, you need to be with them. You want to become like them, and you want to do what they're doing. Well, in the same way, uh, Jesus, he's our teacher. He's our, uh, he's our rabbi, which means he's our teacher. And if we're discipling under him, if we're following him, or we are apprenticing under him, then guess what our goal Guess what goal we have? We want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. And we want to do what Jesus did. But in order for those to become a reality, they require this thing. Because remember, Jesus put out the invitation to follow me. And in order for us to become his disciple, we need to change our direction. Because when he calls Simon and Andrew, when he calls James and John... They're doing their thing. They were fishermen. Then he says, follow me. Well, he can't say, follow me, and then they stay here. Their direction has to change, and then they follow Jesus. Because sometimes we get caught up, and we think that it's just about the decision that we made. But a decision alone doesn't cut it. Here's what I mean. Y'all remember those New Year's resolutions? (laughs) You're probably doing great with yours. God bless mine. <laughs> so, Solomon, I decided, you know, this year I'm going to get back in shape. Because I've met all these people now, and they just know me as this. They don't know me. <laughs> Come on, PC. They don't, they don't know. MH is what they used to call me. They don't know that guy. I need to get back in shape. Give them one preview because I'm older, so I can't do all that stuff no more. <laughs> and then go back in the house. So I made that decision. But let me tell you, I'm like, Chick-fil-A, kale salad from Whole Foods. I go to Chick-fil-A, I get the number one with the lemonade. So I made a decision, like, yo, I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to lose weight. But my direction hasn't changed. Crumble cookie, I think that's how you say it. Cookie crumble, one of them. The cookie's going to crumble when I get it. They had some flavors this past weekend, but I did good. I didn't go. But my point that I'm making is that just because I made the decision, it, it can't, the decision alone is not going to cut it. My direction has to change. And if my direction hasn't changed, then there's no, there's no change. I'm not following that path. Because what good is it to make a decision if our direction hasn't changed? Because a decision without direction is dead. That's awesome. We made a decision, but have we changed our direction? Hear me. Our decisions alone don't determine if we're disciples. Our direction does. Simon and Andrew, James and John, when Jesus extended the invitation of follow me, they're doing what they're doing. In order to follow him, there was a decision, but then there was a directional change. We must change directions. It can't be, well, I've decided that, man, that, that's the truth. Yes, that's, that's true what you're saying. That's true. That's the way I need to live. No. Have we changed directions? Hear me. Christianity can't just be what that you believe the truth about Jesus, but that you want to follow Jesus. And the way we follow him is by changing our direction. So here we go. There's the tension again, right? There's our way, the way of Michael. There's the way of Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves this question, whose way are we following? Because we want to determine the way ourselves. And we say things like, well, I follow Jesus how I follow him, so I don't need you to worry about what I'm doing. That me and Jesus understand how we work. You don't need to understand because we understand. Listen, you have your way. I have my way. I don't know if you understand this. It is a personal relationship. So I have my personal. You ever heard that? You ever said that? Don't raise your hand, right? But that's what we say, even if it's not verbally, but it's in, 
is revealed in the way that we live. But Jesus is clear, family, that it is not your way. He says, I am the way, which means that he's not one of the options. That is not my way and Jesus. No, no, no. You can't follow you in Jesus. We can't, I can't follow me in Jesus. We can't follow ourselves in Jesus. Listen to me. We can't follow Buddha in Jesus. We can't follow the ancestors in Jesus. We can't follow the Democrats in Jesus. We can't follow the Republicans in Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm not one of the options. I'm not just another access point. That is not about following this and me to get to him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you know what that means, family. We have to change our direction. That we can't just pause on a decision, but we must change our direction. And when you change your direction, do you know what else it requires? It requires us to leave some things behind. It requires us to drop some things. They were fishermen with nets trying to catch fish. They were with their father in a boat. They stopped what they're doing. They dropped their nets, Simon and Andrew, and Mark 1, and they followed Jesus. James and John, they left their father. They got out of the boat and said, peace, Dad, we're going to follow Jesus. So in order to be a disciple, it's not just a decision, but it's a new direction But then it's also saying, I am dropping this so that I can follow Jesus. So here's what it requires us to do next. It requires us to examine our lives and ask this question, what have we dropped? Have we left anything? Have we dropped some old habits? Have we dropped the old mindset? Have we dropped the things that we used to get into? Have we dropped the things, the identity that we once took on and connect it with. What have we dropped? Because a disciple of Jesus is someone who leaves something behind in order to follow. And if we take the time and we do the introspective work and we look and we see that we have not dropped anything, then it begs to ask this question. Am I following Jesus? Now that's a tough question to ask. But listen, we're not, we're not trying to be something at the Becoming Church. We're not trying to be something in name, right? Well, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. Grandma went to church, so that means <laughs> I'm a Christian. No, but we're asking God by way of his spirit to help us practice what it means to follow Jesus. In Luke 6, I believe, Jesus says, why do you call me, why do you say, Lord, Lord, but you do not practice what I say? In other words, Pharisees, you know everything. Y'all who, disciples follow me? Okay, cool. You know everything. You have memorized the Torah. You, you, you know it, word for word. But have you actually put into practice what I'm teaching? So I don't want us to develop this thing where we can know the truth, but are we practicing the way? So we must practice the way of Jesus. We must follow the way of Jesus. And if that means doing introspective work and asking those tough questions, the tough question is not meant for condemnation, but the tough question is meant for growth, is meant for development, is meant for us to become. And that is why we have to change our direction Ask the question, whose way are we following? And examine if we're following Jesus. And some of us, we don't want to drop those things or leave things behind because we've attached who we are to those things. So to drop those things would be dropping who we are. It would be dropping who, we, who we've been known as. So you're asking me to drop a piece of who I am? I can't do that. But look what Arthur and Pastor Francis Chan says. He says, you find... That the things you let go of while following Jesus were the things 
that were going to destroy you in the end? Could it be the things that we think are so vital, the things that we absolutely have to have? Maybe, just maybe, the reason why life has been the way it has been is because that thing we keep holding on to. And maybe he's saying, you've dropped everything else except for that. But it's that thing that you need to drop. It's that disappointment. It's that hurt. It's that pain. Or maybe even this. It's that win. It's that victory. You're holding on to that. You know, like the, you know, it's been 20 years. And, you know, that, that, that one guy who's still holding on to senior year in high school, like, bro, you got to let that go. <laughs> you got to move on. Like, it's, it's, it's time to, to move on. You about to have the 20-year reunion this year. You got to let that go, bro. Are you still talking about that? Yeah, 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 we know. Uh-huh. Because here's the thing. The enemy doesn't care that you get stuck in a place or what you choose to let go of, whether it's past hurts or disappointments or past wins or victories, as long as, me, as, long as it means you don't move forward. He doesn't want you to be a person moving forward. He doesn't want you a person becoming who God has called you to become. So that means, look, we got to change our direction and then be willing to drop things in order to follow Jesus because he wants to renovate our lives. I don't know about you, but the moment I said yes to Jesus, it wasn't just all good. (laughs) There's a renovation process. And did you notice that I said there's a renovation process? I'm not finished yet. So Jesus says, follow me. And then he says, I will make you. Sounds like a lot like a renovation. You know, I've never renovated a home, but I've watched a lot of HGTV. (laughs) Yep. And because of that truth, call me. I'm your guy. I can um, I can step into a house and I'm like, oh, you want to take that wall out? No, that that's that's the low bearing. We're gonna have to. It's about twelve grand for that beam. You know, that's gonna really take a hit into the budget. You know, you want to knock down open concept? You want that? Uh, let's check what the pipes are. We might better move those to the basement. Let me get my HVAC guy out here. <laughs> so, like I said, I can do it. I got you, Nate. If you need, I got you. <laughs> And all those shows are really the same, right? I mean, you know how it is. Uh, someone needs, you know, this couple, they have a house. Someone, they have this budget, they have this house. Uh, they want to live, you know, nice school zone, nice neighborhood. And they show up, you know, there's this rock star couple. And, you know, he's in the construction, she's into design. And they're like, yo, you know, we can show you the worst house in the best neighborhood. And it's going to be great. Because they went to one house and it was like, yo, this is at the top of my budget. There's no room to renovate. So they go look at a crazy, should be, you know, demolished house, and now they start to dream. Now they start to look, and they start to see what it becomes. They sit down with the designer, they see all this stuff. And now here's the moment for the big reveal. And in front of it, there's the picture of what the house used to look like. And on the other side is what it's become. And then when they move those pictures back, the couple's always blown away, always amazed. But the look in her faces is like, looking at the picture, how did, how did this become that? And I think that's what the Lord wants to do with our lives. When he says, follow me, it's to get us to a point where ultimately we can look in that mirror and we can look... Your Facebook memories come up. How did this become that? But you know what that requires. God has to make us. Jesus says, I will make you, which is our next observation. Because just because we're following Jesus, it doesn't mean that we're complete. He's making us. He wants to transform us. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You remember earlier when I said it's going to be a little pastoral? So we've shown up to that part. So I want you to understand, let's just say it. 
There's a pattern of the world that the world is discipling us into. And when it says don't conform to the pattern of the world, it's not talking about like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That's for God so loved people. He, he so loved us, you and I. When it says, when Paul says here, don't conform to the pattern of this world, he's talking about the, the system of the world, the, 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 the belief structure of the world. And here's the truth, family. There is a pattern of the world that the world is discipling us into. There is a way that the world wants us to follow. And it's a pattern that ignores the way of Jesus, but honors the decision of self. Why would you want to follow Jesus? That's a boring life. That's a dull life. That's a mundane life. Look at this, and all sounds a lot like the moment in Matthew 4 when Satan is trying to tempt Jesus. And he's like, look at all this that you could have. But that's what the world is trying to get us to follow their pattern, not the pattern or the way of Jesus. Have you ever noticed how the world always tries to, or it always misrepresents what it means to follow anything that looks like the way of Jesus? Here's what I'm saying. Think about sex for that matter. Have you ever noticed on TV, the way they portray it, it's, oh, sleep around, do all that you want to do, be with who you want to be, the different person every single night. It's exciting. It's thrilling. Fresh off the elevator, right in the backseat of the car. Like, <laughs> I'm being honest, right? When you see it on TV, that's how it's portrayed. That's the honoring the decision of self. Do what you want to do. But then when it comes to the husband and wife, what is it like? She got her curlers in. She got all that toothpaste hanging out the mouth. He's sitting there scrolling. You want to? I mean, I got five minutes. You know what I mean? It just makes it look boring, makes it, makes it look dull, makes it look like it's not exciting. But do you know what's happening in that moment? They're attempting to disciple us into the pattern of the world. So whether you're married and then you see that and you're like, man, this ain't, huh? you know what I mean? And then if you're single, single you, you, you try to live your life in that way, but we know what gets on the other side of that, brokenness and emptiness. And it's never fulfilling because it's like, it's like a high. You're chasing that thrill over and over again, n- never being able to achieve it. But there's a pattern that the world is trying to disciple us in. And it ignores the way of Jesus and honors the decision of self. And we see this with other statements like, live your truth. You live in a way that's true to you. You determine what's true. What's true for them does not have to be true for you. As long as it makes sense to you, who cares if it doesn't make sense to them? And at the end of the day, listen, love, love is just love. You are what you feel. You can do what you feel. You can be what you feel. Now hear me this morning, because your minds at this point could be going like, wait a minute, man, I thought this was... Did you okie-doke me? No, I did not. Because I didn't just make statements of condemnation, but rather statements of observation. Because you can observe and see the cultural moment that we live in, that it's, it is live your truth. It is whatever makes sense to you. It is you are what, it's all of these things. So, so I'm not making any statements of condemnation because here's the thing. We have to decide what we're going to do with what God has said. So I don't have time to condemn you. Now I can share the truth and then I can live it out full of grace. And I, can, I can walk it out full of grace and truth in the way that Jesus led like when he caught, when the woman was caught in the act of adultery 
And then he turns around and he writes uh, in the dirt. And some theologians believe that he was writing the names of all the guys who were trying to condemn her, who had been with her. And then when they saw the names, they said, no, nah, we're going we to drop these stones because I don't want the problem at home. But well, what did Jesus say to her? He said, listen, you've been forgiven. Now go and sin no more. So he pointed the truth to her, which is not condemnation, but it was laced completely with grace. So when we speak the truth here, it has to be the truth. It can't be washed, but it's going to contain grace, right? So these are not statements of condemnation, but of observation that we've have ch- we have chosen to follow our own way. But can I challenge us this morning, family? Let's not choose our own way. Let's not follow the system of the world. Let's not follow the pattern of the world. Jesus says, I am the way. It's not your way and my way, and collectively it becomes the way. He says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we understand that the world is attempting to disciple us, then we can be wise of the schemes of the enemy that he uses. But what I'm seeing, family, is that as followers of Jesus, that it's the fact that the world is attempting to disciple us into its patterns is being revealed by what we deem to be acceptable as followers of Jesus. And here's what I mean. We will follow what is culturally acceptable more than what is biblically acceptable. So now when there's a moment, when there's a decision point, instead of saying, what does the Bible say? What does the word say? We'll say, what does culture say? And then we will wash what the word says and the Bible says through that cultural lens. So if it doesn't line up with what culture says at the moment, then we start to say, well, that was written for a set of people at a set of time for a set moment. But listen, the Bible is the only book that was written in antiquity but speaks with specificity to our lives today. It is consistent. It does not change. It says what it says, and it means what it means. And I look at it, and it's the only book that has faced the persecution that it has faced for many years, but yet it still stands here. It's a book that has been debated. It's a a book that has been tested. It's a book in which people have lost their lives over. It's a book in which families have broken apart. It's a book that has caused wars, but yet it still stands because the word of God is true. And the standards don't change, and the truth of it doesn't change. Jesus says, I am the way. So we can't view our world. Our worldview can't be washed through the lens of culture, but through a biblical lens, which means this. We have to get back to following what is biblically acceptable. And the only way to do that is what? To go through that renovation process. Jesus says, I will make you. I will renovate your mind. Romans 12, 2. Do not be transformed uh, to the pattern of this world, but be renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And transformation happens with a renewed mind. And here's how it's played out. It begins when we change our patterns. So we've got to change our patterns. We can't do the same thing and expect a different result. Our patterns have to change. We have to embrace the process. Listen, it's a process. Like I'm, I'm trying to eat right, hit the gym. Listen, it's a process, and we can't negotiate that process. You know, there's this quote, uh, this um, video circulating, um, Kobe Bryant talks about how he became the player that he became, and one of the the key moments from that uh, clip is how he says, I didn't negotiate with myself. So I set the standard, and I didn't negotiate it. So here we are. We, We made a decision. We changed our direction. We're welcoming the process of being transformed. Don't negotiate with yourself. Don't see how much I can toe the line without crossing over the line. Don't negotiate with yourself. Make that decision. I'm going to trust God. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult, but I'm going to trust him, embrace the process, and then, family, we've got to leave the past. Because for some of us, we're stuck in the past. We have to get our minds from the past. 
and we have to step into what God is doing in our lives now. And I'm closing because I have a clock that's telling me you got to stop talking, bro. <laughs> hey, that was a light. Take your time. You're going to say it. You got to give it to me now. <laughs> I heard you. He was like, take your time. I don't want to upset everybody else in here. Take your time. Take your time. He was like, she said it. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. But I'm going to get us to lunch. I'm going to get us to lunch. <laughs> so Jesus doesn't want to transform us just for the sake of, of transformation. He doesn't want to make us just for the sake of making us. But he wants to transform us. He wants to make us for a purpose. He wants us to be a light that shines and points to him, which leads us to the final observation this morning, fishers of men. Because in Mark 1.17, Jesus says, follow me. So in other words, leave some things behind, change your direction. Then he says, I will make you. So that's that transformational uh, process. He's renovating us. We're, we're leaving what is culturally acceptable, and then we're taking on what's biblically acceptable. And then in that process, he's given us a vision of who we can become. That he's connecting us to purpose. You know, the definition of purpose, well, let me say this first. When God wants to do something in the earth, like he could just do it, but he doesn't choose to do it that way. He, cho he chooses to partner with people, to partner with us. So he could just do it, but he chooses to partner with us. So here's the definition of purpose. Purpose is partnering with God to fulfill God's will on the earth. So this whole thing of being transformed or when God says, I will make you, is so that we can go through this renovation process, catch a vision for our lives, and now connect that to purpose in accomplishing God's will on the earth. Now, some of us, we're hesitant to that. Well, let me, let, me, let me say this. So then what is that purpose? Here it is. To know God and make him known. People ask, why am I here? To know God and to make him known. And then he gives us multiple ways that we live that out. So you may be doctors, you may be lawyers, you may be engineers, and, or, or even those things just may be avenues to fund what God has called you to become and called you to do. But ultimately, it's to take your life and with all the things that he's placed in you, point to him so that others can then follow him. So it's to know God and to make him known. So that's why he gave the commission to his disciples and ultimately us as we're disciples of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 28, where he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is God saying, I want to connect you to purpose. So hear me this morning. You may feel like you don't have purpose. You may feel like, I don't know what that is. But let me tell you, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you have a pulse, God's not done. But let me say this. I believe that God wants to use you in such a way that when you are no longer here, that who you were, how you served, how you loved him is still making a difference in the lives of people who will hear the stories and the accounts of the faith that you had and the way that you follow Jesus. And the way that that becomes a reality is when you allow your life to be connected to purpose, is when you make the decision to say, I will follow you. And in following you, I'm going to leave some things. I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to welcome the renovation process. And I'm going to be connected to purpose. Listen, we are here this morning because of those guys, those early followers who did just that. So they're no longer here. They don't have a pulse. 
but because of the way they trusted Jesus, even with the doubt, even with the uncertainty, even with the persecution, it's the reason why you and I are here. They are the ones who turn the world upside down. So here's what Jesus is looking for today. Who are some people who will turn the world upside down? Who are the people who are willing to go into culture and influence it? We, are, we, we have got to this point where we become influenced by culture. But we were never supposed to be influenced by culture. That we were supposed to set the trends. We were supposed to set the standards. Because ultimately, it was the followers of the way that served Jesus and followed after him even through the Roman persecution that ultimately the Roman government was flipped upside down. And so once where it was a place that persecuted Christians, it began later to welcome them because people said, no, 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 no. I made a decision to follow him, to trust the process of being renovated. He says, I will make you. And then to be connected with purpose because God wants to use you and he wants to use you not the person that you pretend to be not the person that you want to be not the person that you thought you should have been he wants to use you right where you are it begins with trusting him your personality your creativity the way you see things Peter was crazy this cussing Christian some of y'all relate to that He denied Jesus, but later would ultimately become the leader of the New Testament church. And I think it was that same quirkiness and the way that he was that allowed him to do what he did or ultimately became. There's the Apostle Paul, perhaps the greatest apostle responsible for so much of our New Testament writings, planting churches all throughout the world. Well, before that, when they called him Saul, he persecuted Christians and killed them. He sat there and watched as they stoned Stephen. But God didn't take that tenacity away because it was that same tenacity that he used to plant those churches. That same tenacity that even later when Peter was tripping, he's like, man, you need to stop tripping and get in line. It was that same tenacity that Paul had that made a difference. So you don't have to think or be afraid of embracing this transformation process because well, I don't, I'm going to lose my creativity. Can I say something funny a little bit? Don't be offended if you do. Don't. <laughs> if you were boring before, you'd be boring after. That's so bad. But if you are funny before, you'd be fun. Here's my point. None of that matters. My point is this. God's going to use you. And so you don't have to be afraid of trusting God. He's going to use you. He used me in my weirdness. So I thank God that I'm weird. And I'm pretty boring too. And I thank God for that. Because there's a people, I guess, that I'm called to that need my boringness. So there's a people, you know, sometimes people say you're too much. You're not too much. That's just not maybe a group that you're called to. So you don't have to dumb down who you are because you didn't reach someone that you weren't supposed to reach. And then you may say, well, how are they going to reach? Because somebody else, that's what their job, because they're connecting to purpose and what God has called them to do. Amen? Would y'all pray with me today? Father, we're grateful, we're thankful for who you are. God, thank you for the time and space that we share together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this process that you have us on. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're not calling us to be people who just try to go through religious motion and, and, and just things, but you're calling us to, to trust you, to practice the way of following you. God, that we're not supposed to just be something in name, but God, people who live out, God, the, the truth and the principles in your word. And by your spirit, God, we ask you today to help us to do just that. Help us to practice our faith, to practice what you teach. Let it begin by us making the decision to follow you, to welcome the process of renovation that you do in our lives. 
and Lord, to catch the vision of purpose that you want to connect us to. God, we love you. We honor you. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Just while every head, all heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this moment, and maybe there's some of you who have never um, ventured to follow the way of Jesus. And listen, just really quickly, I want to extend that invitation to you. And as I extend that invitation, I'm not telling you that because you say yes to following Jesus, leaving things behind, changing your direction, that things will get easy. Um, no, they, they may get difficult because remember that tension we talked about because now there's that tension of you that will still rise in your way and then the way of Jesus. But here's the difference now. Uh, the Spirit of God, when, when you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus, the, the Spirit of God will now dwell in you, helping you to navigate that tension you feel. And then maybe there's some of us in here who maybe we've gotten off the path a little bit. We just need to come back home and get back on that path of journeying with Jesus. If you're in any of those categories, again, I'm not going to make this moment long. I just want to ask you to, to raise your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer. So if that's you, if you're saying, listen, I'm ready to say yes to following the way of Jesus, or I, I want to uh, renew my commitment of following Jesus, if that's you, will you just simply raise your hand? And here this morning, I just want to say a simple prayer with you. And please raise it so I can see it. No, no one's looking around. It's okay. Amen. I see your hands. You can place your hands down. And I want to ask uh, all of us uh, who raised our hands and especially, excuse me, I want to ask all of us to say this, but especially those of us who raised our hands to repeat after me. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And I'm going to say this, the prayer, there's nothing special about the prayer. Because remember, it's simply a decision. But a decision alone won't do it. We have to change our direction. So let's keep that in mind. But just repeat after me. And I'll ask all of us to say this as an act of solidarity. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I put my faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior of my life. I believe you died and rose again. And because of that, I can have eternal life. So today, I'm making a decision to follow you by changing my direction. Help me in this journey. Lead me in the way of becoming who you call me to become. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you celebrate all who made that decision?